I honestly, I think if you put aside Trump's tweeting and yelling and screaming and everything and all the other critics, and you actually look at how we systematically responded to the incursion, we did pretty good considering the resources and the influence we had to bear. We should actually be giving the president credit for that rather than criticism for not doing something which realistically was beyond America's means or interests to do. From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Tim Desher, and this is Heritage Explains. October is the best month if you live in D.C. The temperature is relenting, the autumn leaves, apple picking, pumpkin beer, and of course this year, the Nationals are in the World Series. But October 2019 has also been dominated by other news items. No, not impeachment. Syria. We want to, though, get to that major U.S. policy change in the Middle East that we talked about at the very top of the show. Late last night, the White House announced that U.S. troops are beginning a withdrawal from northern Syria near the Turkish border. It began this morning, Turkey launching a military assault in Syria that they'd been telegraphing for a day or so um, against a Kurdish fighting force that has been a critical ally of the United States and that U.S. troops have been working alongside for the past five years. As you are probably aware, President Trump received significant criticism from voices both on the left and right here in D.C. This is the most screwed up decision I've seen since I've been in Congress. To abandon them is really the height of, of, I I don't even have words to say uh, what it means that we have abandoned our allies uh, to be slaughtered by the Turkish military. What we did in walking away from them was two really bad things. One was to essentially convey the message to them and to any potential ally around the world. When we wake up on the wrong side of the bed and decide our relationship is over, we're ending it on the spot and leaving you vulnerable to a brutal assault, which is what Turkey is now engaged in, to slaughter these Kurds. The second reason it's so dangerous is because the fight against ISIS is not entirely won. There are 10,000 or more ISIS prisoners who had been in Kurdish custody, who now will be either released or escape because the Kurds have no choice but to defend themselves. But President Trump dug in. I feel that uh, we are doing the right thing, and I think the country feels that too. We've had tremendous support outside of the Washington, little Washington area, and even in Washington, people are saying you're doing the right thing. Uh, Has to be done, otherwise you're never going to do it. At the same time, we're dealing with both sides. We're going to see what we can do. After a few days of fighting, the Trump administration was able to negotiate a ceasefire between the Syrian Kurds and Turkey. And in spite of some scorn from the Kurds, the U.S. troops based in northern Syria have now withdrawn to Iraq. But as you know, context is everything. And if you're like me, this is a very tough situation to wrap your head around without context. That's why it's important to clear the record. Now, we're probably asking some of the same questions. How did we get here? Who are the Kurds? 
What is our interest in Syria? Is Trump really abandoning allies, leaving them for slaughter? Our good friend of the show, Dr. James Carafano, joins us this week to answer these questions. He works here at Heritage as the vice president of the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy. He's also the E.W. Richardson Fellow. This week, he explains. Jim, catch us up just a little bit. For those of us who stick to schedules and have lots of things going on the day, it's hard to know the nuance. We read the headlines and we hear the news, but we don't know the context of it. So maybe you could start with why we are in Syria to begin with. You know, the United States has been a force in the Middle East for many decades. Syria has always been our enemy. The Assad family, which kind of runs the country like their own little mafia kingdom, they've always hated Americans. Every terrorist that you ever imagined that was on the terrorist watch list, that's where they retired to. It was like a little terrorist Disneyland. Nobody cared because Syria really didn't impact America's ability to accomplish what it needed to do in the Middle East. It was always in Iran's orbit. It was always in Russia's orbit. It was kind of tucked out of the way. So how did we get involved? And it's really the confluence of two happenstances. One is it's the way Obama came out of Iraq. If you remember after the Iraq war, there was a Sunni insurgency. We flattened the Sunni insurgency. Everything was calm. We had a U.S. occupation force that was still there of several thousand troops. And the Obama administration decided to withdraw them. And the problem is, is when they withdrew them, essentially all the pieces were not in place for long-term sustainable security. So it's like he ripped away the safety net and then said, well, you know, they're on their own. And at the same time that happened, the Arab Spring erupted and there was a civil war in Syria. And between those two events, that created a space for other Islamist terrorists in the group, which became known as ISIS, to pull together and essentially push Syria and Iraq aside and create their own terrorist state in the middle of the Middle East. And that was a huge problem for us. It was a problem for Obama, who actually sent Americans back into the region to uh, fight them. And when Trump came in office, his number one thing was, is, look, we've got to get rid of the caliphate. Besides Iran, this is the biggest threat to the region. And, and they went to him and the Pentagon said, look, if you want to get rid of the caliphate, half of the caliphate's in Syria, their capital is in Syria. We're going to have to put people in Syria to fight these guys because nobody else is willing to do that. So we put a few hundred troops in Syria. They partnered with a group called the YPG, which is an armed militia. And using the YPG essentially as a surrogate, we were able to take down the caliphate. And after that happened, the president asked a natural question. He said, OK, let's let's get out of Syria now. I mean, we don't have an interest in being there. And a lot of people said, oh, no, no, you, there are still things going on where it's in our interest that we should stick around. We don't want the caliphate to come back. We don't want the civil war to produce millions of refugees. We saw what that happened. It destabilizes the region. They flood Western Europe. They destabilize Western Europe. It's bad for our allies. And Iran is trying to take advantage of this vacuum to essentially establish a footprint in Syria to make it a platform to threaten Israel. So how many troops are we talking here? Uh, initially went into Syria. So this, so the, the U.S. government never really gave us official numbers. But this is a few thousand troops, which meant that in any one part of Syria, whether it's the north or the south, there was maybe a handful of a few hundred U.S. troops, a very, very small contingent. And you might ask a question like, how could that possibly happen? How could a few hundred American troops parachute? Well, they didn't, they didn't actually parachute in. Essentially go into the middle of a war zone and fight a war against the caliphate and get away with it? And the answer is really simple. It's because nobody wanted to see the caliphate win. Not the Russians, not Assad, not the 
Iranians, not the Turks, not the Israelis. Um, nobody wanted that to happen. And they were perfectly willing to stand aside and let the U.S. essentially fund the YPG to go out and, and attack the caliphate and get rid of it. But I think a lot of people misread that whole lesson as somehow the United States was determining the fate of Syria and that a couple hundred guys are anything more than a speed bump to the civil war in the country because they weren't. The only reason why people left us alone is because we were doing their dirty work and fighting the caliphate for them. There's a lot of terms that you hear when you consume the news but don't have context to it. The thing that I've been confused about and a lot of people have uh, are the Kurds. Right. Um you know, back in when we were the war in Iraq, we had the Kurds as our allies. They were helping us fight. And so can you can you help clear that up for me? Are these Kurds the same Kurds as as the Kurds in Iraq or are they different? So Kurds are, are a broad ethnic religious group, which is really scattered throughout the region. There are Kurdish populations in many places. In Iraq, they're actually a semi-autonomous region within the state of Iraq called Kurdistan, right? So those, when we think of Kurds, those are normally the Kurds that we think of. We partnered with the Kurds to, uh, during the war. We partnered with the Kurds in crushing the Sunni insurgency in Iraq. Those Kurds have hosted many refugee populations, including ones from Syria, including um, the Yazidis and Christians and other minorities, as well as Kurds from Syria that they host in Iraq. There is an indigenous Kurdish population in Syria. And here's, I think, where people kind of miss in the boat here. They've always been there. So... When Assad ran that country like a dictatorship, they lived under Assad. And you know what? They were perfectly fine with that. They, they didn't have a problem with Assad. When the Civil War broke out, they didn't declare war on Assad. They didn't fight for Assad. They just kind of stepped out of the way, and they were kind of neutral in the Civil War. And they were happy to not really kind of side with anybody. The reason why they sided with the United States is because when the caliphate came in, the caliphate was killing these guys. And they're like, we will partner with anybody that will help arm us to fight these guys back because they're killing us. The reality is, as all this talk of ethnic cleansing and everything else aside, there's a Kurdish population in Syria. It was there before the Civil War. It's there during the Civil War. It'll be there long after the United States and the Turks are gone. Um, the area that the Turks, Turkish forces are moving into is not the entire Kurdish area. And the Kurds will do what the Kurds always do. They will find a way to survive. And I think the other thing we do is we conflate all these different terms. There's a population in Kurdistan. There's a group called the SDF, which is a political group, which doesn't necessarily reflect the views and opinion and governance of all the Kurds. And then there's the YPG, which is an armed militia that works for the SDF, right? So I, we just say Kurds, and I think it's a, we use that term very, very loosely. Have you heard of Jarrett Stepman's new book called The War on History? So for those who don't know, Jarrett is the co-host of the podcast here at Heritage called Right Side of History. And we've talked about it here on the show before, but basically he's now brought this podcast to book form. Now this book is an awesome read. It spells out the left strategy and exposes how they are trying to change our history so they can then implement their agenda to completely change the fabric of America. That's why he uncovers several different issues in this book. He, he goes into the war on the common man. How about the war on the South? Or how about the war on Thanksgiving? Or the war on the founding? All of these issues are things that make up 
our unique American exceptionalism. And it's a very, very important read. I, I want you to get this as Christmas gifts for people. So head over to Amazon and type in The War on History, The Conspiracy to Rewrite America's Past by Jarrett Stepman. You're not going to be sorry. Pick up a copy today. All right, let's get back to our interview with Dr. Carafano. In your recent piece in Fox News, you say that we didn't okay this, but President Trump didn't help it. So what is his responsibility here, and why are, why are people so upset with him over this? Right, so the reality is, the area we're talking about is the border between Turkey and Syria. And from Turkey's perspective, that border is uncontrolled. The Syrian government doesn't control its own border. Um, terrorists can slip back and forth. Refugees pour in and out. And for their own security, the Turks would like to control that that narrow strip of land along the border. Now, look, I was in the military for 25 years. I know how military operations work. This notion that somehow the president of Turkey, Erdogan, picked up a phone and said, hey, I'm going to invade. And Trump goes, oh, yeah, fine, no problem. And the next day, thousands of troops. That does, that's not how it works. If you're going to do an incursion like that, that's weeks, maybe months of planning, organizing, logistics. This isn't something they just the Turks just thought up overnight, right? Um, we've known the Turks have wanted to do this for a really long time. We've actually worked to try to deter them and and get them not to do that. So the, the and and we actually have evidence that shows the the president did not greenlight this. The Turks just said we're doing this, and I think from a U.S. perspective was what were we supposed to do? We have a handful of soldiers on the ground. Um, why would the United States try to interpose them between a shooting war between Turkey and the YPG when, after, at the end of the day, Turkey is just taking a buffer zone? It's not invading and destroying the YPG. Um, we don't really have a vital interest between the two parties. We'd like to see them not fight with each other, but we're not on one side or the other here. Um, those few hundred soldiers, they weren't going to do anything. I mean, if you thought the Alamo was bad, I mean, those guys would be a postage stamp. And and here's the other thing. The Turks knew that we were not going to stand and fight because it made no sense why Americans would, would do that. It just it, it didn't make military sense. It didn't make political sense. So even if Trump had said, no, I'm standing there and I'm not pulling those troops out, the Turks would have gone in anyway. And they know it would have happened, which is the American troops would have withdrawn. Because, look, we have to protect our troops. That's job one. So to say that somehow Trump caused this is just simply wrong. The challenge from the beginning is how do we continue to protect our interests and how do we best utilize the small forces that we have and our political authority, our diplomatic authority? And and I honestly, I think if you put aside Trump's tweeting and yelling and screaming and everything and all the other critics and you actually look at how we systematically responded to the incursion, we did pretty good considering the resources and the influence we had to bear, we should actually be giving the president credit for that rather than criticism for not doing something which realistically was beyond America's means or interests to do. We had talked about this, and you mentioned it a little earlier in this interview. Uh, the Democrats and Republicans joined them in passing a resolution to condemn the withdrawal uh, recently. But I find that a little weird because we didn't vote to go into Syria <laughs> we, well, here's, we we, here, in the here, first place. Here's what I'm finding weird, which is, are you condemning 
that we allowed the Turks to do this because clearly the evidence now shows that we did not green light the Turks doing this. Um, are you condemning that we're abandoning the Kurds? Well, the president just sent his most senior officials over there to negotiate with the Turks and threaten sanctions to force the Turks to allow the forces to withdraw to, to avoid needless bloodshed. So clearly we are helping to look after these people. Um, so what exactly are we not happy with? Talking about outcomes here, the president just announced that uh, he's lifted all sanctions and there will be a permanent ceasefire. Uh, where do we go from here? Well, I don't think it's a game changer. But then again, I never thought the Turkish incursion was a game changer to begin with. Look, If somebody could have ended the Syrian civil war, they'd have done that 10 years ago. Nobody has the power or the influence to do that. I don't think it's a game changer in terms of dealing with ISIS. I think the United States has a footprint in the region. We can continue to fight ISIS and partner with people, including the the YDP. I don't think it's a game changer in the region. I don't, I don't think it really presages an expansion of Rus- Russian influence. I don't think they go much beyond Syria. The, the Iranians are actually under enormous pressure. They've got pressure in Iraq. They've got pressure in Lebanon, Yemen. They, they, they're sanctioned. So I don't think they really can exploit this. So uh, – I don't think it really changes all that much. I th- what it does do is uh, it may create an opportunity for more refugees to resettle, uh, to bring some semblance of, of, of greater stability. I think it's both in the interest of the Turks and the YPG to do this. Um, the, the Turks don't want to have a war with the YPG, and, and the YPG really aren't going to expend enormous amount of lives and resources fighting over a, a strip of land that 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 they really, really don't need. Um so uh, I, I think it'll, it'll help make the frozen conflict more frozen, um, whether it will actually lead to prospects for uh, some kind of political settlement in the future. I think it's, it's far too soon to tell. But I think um, it's, construct, it's a constructive role that the U.S. played. I, it does demonstrate that we're not walking away even from Syria, that we helped uh, broker this long-term ceasefire, that we can continue to work with the YPG on fighting ISIS, uh, we continue to have a footprint in the region. Uh, I, um, I think it's the, it's the, it's the logical step uh, for the administration to take. Dr. Carafano, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, good to be with you. And that's it for this week's episode of Heritage Explains. You can find all of Dr. Carafano's work on Syria in the show notes, and you can also head to our YouTube page, the Heritage YouTube page, And you can see his really entertaining TV appearances posted there as well. You won't be sorry. Now, if you're into leaving comments, we hope you do. Anywhere that you listen to the podcast, please let us know what you think of the show. You can also email us at managingeditor at heritage.org. That's managingeditor at heritage.org. Michelle is up next week with an all-new explainer. Heritage Explains is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by Thalia Rampersad.